Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Victory Monday episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast, partnered with RaiderRamble.com. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Lions game. We're going to do a little rest of the season outlook, preview Thursday night football against the Chargers, and then, of course, stay festive and talk about some Halloween candy. But first things first, Jose, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce our guest to the people for us? All right, so if any one of you is familiar with the movie Avengers, we have brought on Groot. Uh, <laughs> no, no, this, this is a very good friend of mine, Sean Hildebrandt. Um, for those of you who don't know, he, con- he used to contribute for Raider Rambo, hosts his own podcast on the Crow's Nest, a little nice affiliate of the Pillaging Podcast. And this is one of the guys who I've had the luxury and the, and the, and the honor of meeting in both his home state of Hawaii and both at the tailgate for the opener. Sean just keeps it real, and he knows football. So, you know, for, for, our, for our listeners, you know we only bring on the best guest for you, someone who actually knows Raider football and just football in general, and that's why we have the homie Sean on here. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for that special introduction. I'm just a regular regular home slice that's <laughs> on the couch like everybody else. But uh, I love my Raiders football, and uh, uh, like Matthew said, I'm super excited. It, it's, you know, it's Victory Monday this week, and, you know, it's a short week for Thursday Night Football against the Chargers, who for me is my biggest rival in the okay. AFC West because that's of family funny. ties. Yeah, I got some family ties there. So, but but regardless, man, so happy to be here and uh, let's talk ball, man. It's fun. Yeah, hey, it's funny you. that you said that. It's funny that you said that because uh, me and uh, uh, me and Matt in an episode, uh, I don't I don't remember. We we're just talking about outlook for the right. division, and we actually said that you know the Chargers are are our most hated. Maybe it's just because we're on the younger side, but <laughs> yeah. because like me personally, just just from like from the co- you know post Super Bowl era is when I started right. finally you know be able to retain memories and all right. I would see is straight like abuse from mm-hmm. the Chargers and LT man so I just hated them like no matter what and they would just, and they were disrespectful about their wins too they weren't just like oh we're we're just we're just winning and packing our bags oh, and leaving yeah. they were no. they were gloating you know <laughs> Philip Rivers dude I hated him you no. always like say this guy's the biggest douche and on the, on the field man like straight up so it was also it was always awesome to watch them lose. Well, except for today because they won. But yeah, yeah, that's, it's, that's a little that's a little cute thing we got going on. So uh, yeah, Matt, you said it was a victory Monday. So what happened today? Well, we we said last week. You know, a lot of the talk was first one to thirty. Raiders get thirty somewhere in the uh, the end of the third quarter, and that ended up being the difference. You know, we'll get to the defense uh, a little bit later, but I'll, I kind of want to <laughs> keep it positive to go to start things off especially with the win so i'm curious what you guys think about the offense so far they asserted themselves pretty cleanly and it was kind of interesting because like waller didn't eat as much as he has in the past um they tried to get involved a little bit early but it wasn't like the overwhelmingly glaring force feed and i think a lot of that had to do with like josh jacobs was like coming in and out of the game you saw d wash uh deandre washington getting some carries as well we know how good josh jacobs is and then you look at trent brown going to the sideline a few times um coming in and out with injuries. I think that had a lot to do with kind of the beginning concepts of the game. Uh, we didn't really see Tyrell Williams become that, like, big play downfield guy. Um, he was pretty quiet. Trevor Davis really didn't do anything. Zay Jones did a couple nice things. But I think they were really just kind of the, the simple, basic Gruden stuff we've seen this whole season, which is managing the game, keeping the sticks within down a distance, and, and not turning over the football. I mean, not turning over the football. That is so important in a game like this, playing a team like Stafford with a defense like us. I mean, they ran up the the, the point, the yards on us, but they didn't put the points on the board. But the offense looked kind of what it has, the recipe for, for most of the weeks, just like Houston and just like some of these other games where you play some pretty solid teams. I thought they moved the ball well. Um, but again, nothing... Nothing uh, uh, magnanimous downfield or anything like that, but it was cool. Uh, I, I enjoyed the way they moved the ball, and when you have Josh Jacobs on the offensive line, you got to use it. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, I was feeling great because I had Josh Jacobs in my fantasy lineup today, <laughs> so I was feeling oh boy. happy. Oh, even I, though a little, yeah. little toss-up between to start him or Eckler, I was I was sure. starting Jacobs the whole time. But got it. <laughs> anyways, no, I I want to focus a little bit on Hunter Renfro. He's been coming on lately. You know, I know I know this fan base has been really hyped about him ever since he got drafted. Yeah. Um, I wanted to taper expectations about him when the season started. Because people, it felt like the consensus was he was going to be an immediate impact player in the receiving core, which I thought was 
at outrageous for a rookie of his size. I mean, come on. I, I felt like, and I said in an episode when we had Chris Y. Song on earlier, I told, mm. we, we, we said, I, I was the only one saying that, I feel like Hunter Renfro is going to be someone around midseason and post midseason is when he's really going to start to hit his stride because, you know, you figure a rookie, he's going to finally start to get accustomed to game speed. He's going to get used to seeing the defense's look and adjusting and adapting, and he's done that. And look what he did right there on that scramble drill from Derek Carr, which was awesome, something you yep. never see from these wide receivers, which is frustrating. Yep. And there was one of the few uh, one of the few three and outs that they had in the second half, though the consecutive ones that allowed the Lions to stay alive. I noticed Darren Waller was just – was just cutting to the outside of the sideline and he sees Carr is scrambling, rolling out to yeah. his right, and he doesn't just break off and go back inside. Like, come on, man. Right. Someone right. someone break off the route and do the scramble drill. There's something these wide receivers are failing to do, but one player who's been doing it well is Hunter Renfro. He's yeah. been doing it like I've been noticing week in, week out, which is a great sign. It's good. One of these receivers need to step up. And talking about a player that stepped up was Jalen Richard. And mm-hmm. I was just telling Matt, and, and I've been pounding in, in podcasts prior to the season. I've been wanting to see this guy get more involved in the receiving game. He's more valuable yeah. as a receiver for the mismatches. I mean, I don't understand why we can't just see in a shotgun set, have Jacobs on one side and left and cars left, Richard is on cars right, and then just shift one of them out, see if they can unload the box, lighten it up, see if it's get a little glimpse of is it zone coverage, is it man coverage? Is the guy if this guy trails him? And if not, check to a play, but what do I know? I'm just a guy with the podcast on with Matt. So, but yeah, dude, Hunter Renfro, I think, was the key. And then just once again, Carr's is playing solid this year. He's not playing elite levels, but he's playing solid. He's doing – take care yeah. of the ball beautifully. Absolutely. And you just can't hate on that. And that throw, that dime to Renfro in the end, whew, dime. was nice, man. This guy was just was just baller today. And this, the Lions are no slouches. Let's just get that straight. They are not yeah. slouches, even though they kind of look back at it a little bit today. And the fact you can play it, you can win against a pretty solid team like that. It's just really good indicative of this team and just something that they can feel good about and being in another home game with L.A. on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys touched on it pretty well. You know, overall, offensively, it was, you know, I don't really know if you can say anybody necessarily had a bad game. You know, we look at things like Alec Ingold getting his little fullback assist, shout out PFD commenter to get that uh, <laughs> touchdown in the, for Jacobs and whatnot. And then Foster Moreau scoring a touchdown late too to help seal it, you know. And then, like you said, from Hunter Renfro, a lot of, lot of, lot of contributions from the uh, rookie class today. But the one guy I wanted to talk about, you know, we, Jose, you and I kind of ripped on him a lot, at, or kind of, we ripped on him a lot after the Packers game, and that was Derek Carr. And I mean, I guess he listens to the show, man, because the guy ever <laughs> since that game has been, I thought. Absolutely fantastic. You know, the only bad throw in the last two games that I can really think of was the one that really should have been a pick six by the Texans linebacker. But at the end of the day, you know, Carr gets bailed out. And today, you know, I don't really know of, you know, I'm sure if we go back and watch the film, he'll have a few bad throws or a few negative throws. But there was nothing that really stood out in my mind as him making a mistake. And that was one of the biggest things we've had the had the knock on him this year is he puts he's been putting together these consistent games that, you know, Two weeks ago, I you know we were getting frustrated sitting here questioning if he's going to be the guy in Vegas, and I feel like ever since then he's really answered the questions. But I mean, like you guys said, I mean, so many players stepped up. Like Sean hinted at, you know, Trent Brown goes down. David Sharp had a bit of a bit of a rough start to the game, but at the end of the day, ended up um, producing when it mattered most. And outside of the the couple sacks that he gave up, I think thought really held up well. And tough situation to come off the bench and and come into the game like that. I was just about to add what you just uh, when when you talked about David Sharp and he did that without Trent Brown. I mean, yeah. I I haven't seen any reports yet about the extent of his injury or what they think. Yeah. You, you know, obviously there's no clear cut results yet, but usually there's some idea of what there's what what the coaching staff and everyone fears or is thinking. Um, hopefully he's it's not significant because without him this is going to get really rough for them. And um, on the other end, Cold Miller's been looking pretty solid yeah. too. Another so, yeah, Carr has been playing great. And um, and even against the Packers, man, when I killed him for that, like it, when I blamed him for the loss, I mean, he had a good game. It's just the fact that those few errors superseded his great game. Yep. So, I mean, that's what happens when you play quarterback. You have impact plays okay. like that that can switch switch the game into any side of the of – the, into any side of where it's going to be of winning or losing. And that, that that's the reality of playing the quarterback position. And let's also not forget that – Hudson was out too, and Andre Andre James Not stepped in, yep. and uh, again didn't miss a beat. You know, 
hats off to the offense as a whole right there. Doing great. John Gruden's play calling has been pretty solid, pretty stout, man, especially when we all know after his first drive or first quarter at the very least early on, it's just this guy just like, does he even know how to adjust or <laughs> what he's doing? Because he, he can script a great, a great scheme and have you know his playbook, but when it comes to actually like going off the dome and actually just going for what he feels, he, he's clearly been lacking. But ever since those first two, three games after the Vikings game, he's been on point. So you just got to give him credit for yeah, that. Definitely. And I mean, you know, one of the things that I noticed is we saw a little bit of that old stubborn John Gruden when they kept trying to run those crossing routes in the, in the, <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. second half. But at the end of the day, he made the adjustment in that fourth quarter. And like you said, ended up putting up points and putting up enough to win. Yeah, it's funny. If you look at Gruden, like, uh, at least last year, and I've been talking about this a lot, like in 2018, uh, they had these expectations to roll out, you know, a solid offense with the components they put together. But the offensive line wasn't good enough. The players weren't good enough. But the back end of the season, they really caught hot. And that was with, like, we were talking players that some of them aren't even, like, valuable in the league anymore you're talking about yeah. Jordy, Jordy <laughs> Nelson who's retired and gone um yeah and you're talking about Seth Roberts who's a complimentary role player that that can play the slot the outside and special teams you're talking about Marcel Aitman who the Raiders cut re-signed he's back on the roster made a great catch today from one of Carr's best throws today down the seam but he, he really and they had Doug Martin uh, was the starting running back <laughs> so you and Jared Cook who's a solid solid tight end but he was basically everything of the bread and butter in the offense and he's gone so you look at Gruden last year and he made it work with those guys and you're kind of looking at this season and you look at today and kind of the way he's calling the game I think he's just being like realistic and to me like the word conservative I throw it out a lot but it's it's game management and it's managing the sticks it's understanding your defense is not good it's bottom third tier so you kind of have to like you have a great pace back in Josh Jacobs He's number one in the league in breaking tackles after contact. I mean, the offensive line is is been kind of patchwork, but it's been solid. And so, like, you look at the offense, and as much as times I want to, like, rip them, I kind of understand why, especially with a quarterback like Derek, who's really good in the intermediate short passing game. And, and downfield, you know, we're, we're just going to see. Tyrell just got back a couple games, and they're going to develop something down there. They got some guys like Zay Jones and Trevor Davis. Just, I mean, these guys probably haven't even seen half of the playbook that Gruden has outside of Tyrell. So, uh, but, but like Jose said, it's super important. You look at a guy like Redfro, and I, I same thing. I caution people. I said, well, that's a fifth-round pick, and he played yeah. on one of the best teams in college football. And, um yeah, he, he's going to be valuable, but he's going to have a niche role. He's not a Cooper Cup. Like, let's not just like, yeah, let's not just like compare him to the other elite white slot receivers. Like, he's, he, <laughs> let him he, develop first. Yeah, and he, need, and he needs to. And, you know, he's not Ryan Switzer either, right? So, but but he's a really good player. He has great hands, and that's what he's known for. Um, and, but he's not a, an athlete uh, that's going to blow you away. But he, he's going to find a role more increasingly in this offense. I mean, thus far, it's exciting, and I, I just like kind of how they, like, the chemistry is, like, working, and you look at a guy celebrate when they come to the sideline, you're finally kind of seeing something in Oakland. I don't think I haven't seen since, like, maybe, like, Jason Campbell. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, like, Campbell, Denarius Moore, Jacoby Ford, those guys, like, they used to go to the sideline, and you saw, like, the way they loved playing for each other and battling, and I kind of saw some of that today, even on the defensive side with the younger guys, but I was like, man, this is a team that's, like, they're on the upward, and the schedule is looking favorable, so could be nice going forward, but super cool today. Could be, could be. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a point, Sean, of the defense is in the bottom tier right now, and the outlook of the rest of the season with the playoffs now in the question with the win today. So I'm curious, you know, this game, I look at it as it's kind of how Paul Gunther wants to run his defense, where it's a bend but don't break system. You know, you mentioned all the yards they racked up. You know, right. they got the two turnovers and then the, the end of the game on the fourth down stop. Although I'll say one of those turnovers was a gift. You know, yeah. so I'm <laughs> curious for you guys, um, what what is your outlook for the rest of the defense or for the defense and the rest of the season moving forward? I think the real question is who we think who we think is like. Who, why do we think this? Why is this defense just so horrendous? Is it a Paul Gunther issue or is it a personnel issue? I'm just gonna as as much as it feels like Gunther is not ingenious by any stretch with any concepts or coverage. I can't blame him when 
you have so many replaceable players on that defense. You know, like not a single player on that defense is like such an impactful player in any degree. I mean, Max Crosby is starting to, you know, his, each game it looks like he's like leveling up, leveling up. Even Maurice Hurst has been v- fairly quiet this season. Right. We we had great hopes for him. And then, of course, we all know our boy Cleveland Furl, who's been looking like a bust through now. How many games is this? Through eight games or seven games that he's played. And today was arguably his best game that he's had. Yeah, I thought it was not, his best. Was his best. Which is not really saying it's not really saying much because yeah, really yeah. he still it's didn't not. step on the screen. He came in the yeah. moments, but overall, like he, I, I didn't notice him. And it's indicative that they're taking him out on passing rushing downs, which is okay. Then it's just proving our point that I saw Matt tweet it out. So the Raiders pretty much dra- drafted a dude fourth overall for, to be a run defender. They can easily, <laughs> you can easily plug someone to be a, a decent run defender and develop them into that. What you can't do is teach them how to pass rush so successfully and consistently. But that's a different issue. We've already crossed that bridge. We already know where he's at. Um, the secondary is, it's the players there that they're rolling out. There, there's no one there that's anywhere near like solid form right now there's a lot of inconsistencies and what i'm seeing from trayvon mullen though i'm liking him just me being mm-hmm. a corner guy i'm liking from yeah. him oh, Darren yeah. woolley inconsistent but he's still been okay and lamarcus mm-hmm. joiner just hasn't been the guy we want and personally outside of cleveland for who i think I, I really feel like i should start beating up more on this on our podcast is to hear <laughs> whitehead what does he does he do anything like relatively well Honestly, I mean, like, all day he was getting picked on. Every week he gets picked on. I'm pretty sure every week an offense coordinator looks at the film and, like, circles his name and say, we're going to pick on this guy. And I believe I saw Ted Wynn at the Athletic tweet out, I think that this is the third week in a row that an offense has taken advantage of a linebacker mismatch by letting him do a corner route. And that was one yeah. of the last touchdowns for the Lions, I believe. Number 41, easily beat to here on a simple corner route. It's nothing that they're doing not even doing cute it's not a cute route he didn't even uh, that was towards my end zone he didn't even faint inside he just did straight and then cut to the corner nothing just simple i'm just gonna go past you because i know you can't cover to save your life and so i mean it's not like they don't even play they don't even play man coverage yet somehow offenses are dictating the coverage which i think it's ridiculous you can zone coverage <laughs> the way his concept is doing just feels like so basic but then again if maybe if he has better players, then maybe Paul Gunther can be optim- optimally better. So I don't want to put 100% of the blame on him. He does deserve some, but I think 100% it is a personnel issue with his defense and why they're not playing remotely anywhere near good. Yeah, I, I think you kind of hit it right there. Uh, but I think the strange part about it is um, Gruden has been so loyal to Paul Gunther. They're mm-hmm. like friends. Like This isn't even like football business. Like This is like a dear friend of his so I, I think it's frustrating and I think as much of a disciplinarian as Gruden is you look at how long he like held on with loyalty to Antonio Brown um, when clearly yep. that guy didn't need to be there <laughs> yep. uh, even allowed him to record his voice to create a YouTube clip about leaving the team because he was that's confused cool. but 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 I, regardless I just look at it like this is why I look at a stretch I'm looking at a schedule right now you got um, at home Thursday night Chargers you got a, a zero-win team in the Bengals coming to Oakland. You go at currently a one-in-seven Jets team at home against a team with the Chiefs, who will have Mahomes. They will have Mahomes back by mm-hmm. then. And then you got the Titans, who are playing Tannehill, uh, and maybe maybe they'll put Mariota back. Who knows? You got the Jaguars <laughs> with Minshew, who's stepping in for injured Nick Foles. Final game in Oakland. You got the Chargers again. You know we know what Rivers is and what they have. And then lastly, you have the Broncos, who will be playing a backup quarterback again. So if you look at the remaining schedule, like Gunther might get bailed out. I, I don't. I don't like his concepts. I don't like. I, I think schematically he fails on fronts often. And I understand the issues, like Jose said, and like Matthews pointed out. Like th- there is just not top tier talent on this defense. But there's also a lack of responding to things that gash the team. So, yep. like, Good I looked point. at it early. Yeah. yeah, I looked at it early in the game, and I saw it in the Texas game, too. I was like, well, you know, Watson's playing, and Will Fuller was out in the Texans game. And I'm thinking, okay, Fuller's out. They don't have a dominant tight end. They have, like, a mm, – ju- they don't have much at running back. They don't have much off- – it's Watson and it's Hopkins. And that's who beat us, Watson and Hopkins. There was no, like, innovative scheme fix or – we're going to bracket, double team. I'm, we're going to play zone, but we'll put a man guy assigned to Hopkins every snap. It was none of that. And then today it was like, you look at the, the players eating, man. Like, Galladay was just, I mean, it's just like, it, 
I get it. Like, they don't have the talent, but at the same time, there's some components that you can move around and make it work. And, and it's frustrating with Gunther. I really don't think... I think Rudin in the back of his mind might be thinking something otherwise than we think. But at the end of the day, there's not the players, but scheme dictates everything. And if you look at... You know, it's kind of troubling at times that, uh, you know, and kind of go back on what Jose was saying and what you guys are talking about, like Clown and Pharrell. And I wanted him at number four. I thought he'd be a fit, and his scheme fit is is a terrible slogan to use. But mm-hmm. guess what? That's what teams do. And Mayock said, I'm going to find the players my coaches want, and they did. But guess what? Like, how, how many times is he off the field on third down? Too many. That's what fucking – excuse me. Because I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking, well, you know, even if his production isn't there yet, at least let him try to apply himself. But, you know, he's not even on the field. Um, and I shouldn't say that too much because today, I'm going to be honest, like Colin Farrell, I thought he pinched inside really tough a lot of times. He came down the line of scrimmage and bunched up some plays. And he had a big inside pressure that led to P.J. Hall getting a, 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 an important sack in that game on Stafford. But, I mean, those are the things we're looking at. I mean, like, to me, it's like, that's like Josh Morrow. That's like, yeah. I mean, who, like, who else? You know, they don't draft at number four for, like, nice role plays. Like, so... Uh, the defense, uh, like I, I don't know what will happen with Gunther. I would like him gone. I think he'll remain, and the reason I think he'll remain is because our schedule is so easy, and I think they could easily put up. They can deal with the the, the injuries and or the the problems on the defensive side of the ball, and they might they might get hot down the stretch. And then at that point, how can Gunther lose his job if they're winning games? Yeah, Sean. I mean, you bring up a good point with the schedule, and you know, I hear the. Uh, the players needs to execute argument. I hear that out a little bit. You know, guys like LaMarcus Joyner, yeah, they need to perform better regardless of the scheme. You know, you can't pay a guy $10.5 million and have him surrender a, like a 125 quarterback rating, which is what he was before today. And I'd right. be surprised if that went down. But for me, it's ultimately got to fall on Gunther's shoulders. And, you know, I'm kind of with you, Sean. I'd, I'd like to see him gone, but I don't know if he will for a lot of the reasons you said. Right. Um, you know, for me with Gunther, you know, as far as personnel, okay, the, the guys like Joyner, yeah, I'll give you. That's the one guy that I'll give you that it's mm-hmm. not on him. But when you, we think about it, like you guys mentioned it, we picked Cleveland Farrell because he's a scheme fit in Paul Gunther's defense. They pass on linebackers because Paul Gunther doesn't like, the, doesn't value the position, even though he coached it. You know, it's they're making decisions with Paul Gunther's system in mind that's supposed to cater to Paul Gunther's system. And at the end of the day, you know, you're still giving up points. And at the end of the day, that's that falls on Paul Gunther's shoulders. And I think mm-hmm. things like, you know, putting linebackers on wide receivers and zone coverage on yeah. third and 13, you know, whether that's right. Tyre Whitehead, unless it's like Luke Keekley, that's not a winning formula anyway. You know, it doesn't really matter <laughs> right. who you have out there. It doesn't matter if it's Tyre Whitehead. You know, Tyre Whitehead's going to get beat by DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, every or whoever, regardless of uh, how bad he's playing. And, no, I don't think that that's going to get replaced by a lot of linebackers. And that's the frustrating part for me is I don't see the thought process behind the, behind the scheme. You know, if it was something where you had Trayvon Mullen on him and he just got beat because Trayvon Mullen's a rookie and he has rookie mistakes, you know, I could sure. understand that because you're playing the matchups better and it's scheme, schematically it makes sense. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, when I see shit like linebackers on – wide receivers, I don't care if it's zone coverage, that's not going to work. Right. The thing is yeah. about his scheme, his scheme, we, we think we can all agree that it's mostly, he's using zone. Mm-hmm. And the thing about zone is what it's supposed to do, it's supposed to keep big plays out of touch, but every game they're giving up yeah. a good, like yeah. a nice, decent, decent chunk of deep plays. And that's why I'm, I think it's more so, that's why I'm going to say it's more so the blame on the players because these players are not making like the right decisions. I mean, I understand like Gunther, dude, Make up, try to figure out a way to do some holes, but you know, just just like he was quoted, like some what was it Thursday talking about? It's, I can only coach, but these players are the ones that have to make the stops. <laughs> right. uh, I think some people received that as a little as a little like bad, you know, in a sort of sense. But I'm I thought well, he's right, you know, he he mm-hmm. can try to put them in the position, but if these guys aren't doing it right, then it's really on them. But you guys are are totally like hitting it perfectly or throwing darts on the dartboard right perfectly on point. Gunther, this guy is not making the right. If he's seeing that he's getting gashed in the middle, I'm, and I'm just throwing just random. If you see that he's getting gashed in the middle, 
from a run play over and over again. He's just going to keep calling the same thing instead of just, all right, let me just go ahead yeah. and try to figure out a way to just say, hey, guys, I noticed you're killing me in the middle. I'm just <laughs> going to go ahead and try to figure out a way to plug it. Like, no, he's just going to still keep dropping back into coverage or doing some unorthodox coverage that makes no sense to try to stop the bleeding at that one play. And, um, but yeah, I just, I just think that he's in a tough spot, but I do also think that I don't really like what he's doing in general. He, he could be doing better, something better. Yeah, sure. Of course he could. And that's why, honestly, I don't think the, what they're doing, they're going to be able to flip around or figure it out. And that they are the way that they're giving up points on defense. So many give up plays on third down. I mean, oh, get yeah. a freaking stop. I don't know yeah. what the numbers were today on third down conversions. I should have pulled them up. And that, and, that, and this is why, you know, I'm pretty sure they got, what, over three quarters of third down conversions today, the, the Detroit Lions did on the defense. And so, I mean, I think that yeah. is why I, I got to say, no, there's no way the Raiders are going to the playoffs outlook, even though their schedule is extremely favorable. You know, at some point, this defense is going to have to make a stop. At some point, things are going to have to come together. And could Derek Carr be the reason why could could carry this load along with running the ball with Josh Jacobs? Of course. But, you know, at some point, these guys got to be a little bit more consistent. And you just can't, you know, just pick and choose your moments of when they're going to be it. And they got tested today by a solid Lions offense. And, I yep. mean, hopefully maybe the weaker opponents, you know, allows them, you know, hey, we can we can do it against these guys, you know, because, you know, the lower tier and maybe we can escape with a few wins because the way they're looking, they're looking like seven and nine, eight and eight to me. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but I just have no faith in this defense. You know the pass rush. You know I saw someone say, is it is it a pass rush scheme? What, what do you think? Blame the. What do you think is worse? Is it the pass rush, or the secondary? And it's 100% the pass rush because if it's the pass rush is getting there around three seconds after the ball's been hiked, then the secondary doesn't need to worry to stay in coverage for a long time. I mean I swear every time I feel like Stafford had five seconds or more in the yeah, pocket. Yeah. And he's the thing is, it's not that it's not about sacks. People keep drawing back to Cleveland Farrell getting sacks. No one's talking about sacks. It's talking about making an impact. We understand he's doing that pinching in the offensive line. That's great during run plays. But is he hurrying him? Is he causing an offensive lineman to overextend himself to allow someone else to get open? Is he busting his way through? I mean, I don't understand that. Uh, you know, it's just it's just hard to keep. It's 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 hard not to draw back Cleveland Farrell because he was the fourth overall pick. He was supposed mm-hmm. to be an impact player. You know, you yep. don't draft you don't draft projects and run defenders in the top ten. Every single player drafted in the top ten has made an impact on their football team. Clint Farrell, no, he hasn't yet, <laughs> and that's why it's disgusting. I know people want to draw back to, well, he's going inside, so it's indicative of his talent, and that's why he's not getting the sacks. Uh, interior linemen get sacks all the time. What are you talking about? And it's just <laughs> ludicrous, and it's just annoying and such. And I mean, I mean, I never even asked Matt. I was like, Matt, show me the snaps of how many times this guy, Cleveland Furrow, last season at Clemson, had snaps interior linemen. He had five or somewhere <laughs> around the line. He had less than ten. So don't give me that versatility. If Vic Tafer of The Athletic is saying the Raiders are doing that because they are trying to find a role for him and pro football focus snaps shows that he only had single-digit snaps inside, then right. uh, it's not about being versatile. They're just like, damn, we need to find a role for this guy because yeah, he look like, like clowns right now. Uh, for sure. I agree. You know what's weird about that is, as you said it, I looked it up. So you talk about third down efficiency today. So, so the Lions actually were five of eleven on third down, but they had four first downs from penalties. Jesus! <laughs> oh my God! Four. So wow. so, and, and and that's one thing. My my second thing to that is like you talk about pass rush versus secondary. So this is a struggle with secondary. Is they traded a guy that was a first rounder two years ago, Gary on Conley. I mean, think about that, how bad this defense is. And they traded him. So yeah. but when I looked at it, so let, let's talk about the guys playing in the second. You have Trayvon Mullen, who's a rookie at a Clemson, who they traded back twice and were still able to obtain. And then they have uh, Worley, who's a guy that was like a young player that looked flashed a little bit with the Panthers. And then he had a lot of off-field issues, went to the Eagles. Basically, no one in the league wanted to touch him. Gruden gave him a second chance. That's why he's like hella loyal to Gruden. That's our other like starting corner. <laughs> and then and then you look at Lamarcus Joyner, like whatever we're trying to piece some odd and then for him to work out. We got a potato chip factory worker in Eric Harris who played in the <laughs> I mean, I'm just being real. He played I like him. Uh, I think his snaps are at times he looks he's like he absolutely deserves to be out there for what we have. And then you have Carl Joseph who I, I honestly think last year and this year 
had they gotten like at least neutral or decent compensation, they would have already traded him. I mean, it was already out there that he was on the trading block, but I don't think they could get rid of him. And and that's a problem too. So you're kind of stuck with what you have. And uh, like outside of that, it's like, okay, the pass rush, Matt, Mad Max Crosby, I, I, every game, dude, I'm looking at that guy. I'm like, if we had some other components working up front, he might be shining a lot more than he is. I mean, he yeah. really he really just has a knack to come up with a play, and, and, and he just does it against a run, against a pass. He'll tip a ball. He'll strip a fumble. I mean, he's, he's good. He plays quick. His hands are super fast, and his technique's only going to get better. He really, if he could put on, like, 15 pounds of muscle, he's really going to look like something. But but the other guys are all working around. P.J. Hall's in his sophomore year. Maurice Hurst is in his sophomore year. Uh, ben Samayoa is on a one-year contract who used to play for us what a couple of years ago. <laughs> I mean, there just isn't like and, – and then in that whole mix, you bring in a number four overall pick, and you're saying, well, you don't have a position. <laughs> not only do you not have a position, but we're not even sure if we want you on the field on third down. So it's tough. The defense is, is, is hard to watch, but ho- hopefully – like I said, I was tweeting out earlier. I said the magic number for this team is 31. I really feel like if they can score 31 points a game, and I don't care if that's just the offense or the defense, maybe a couple weird turnovers or opportunistic plays or flags or whatever, but 31 points is kind of what they need to score to win. But like I was telling you guys, and I know Jose is kind of down, but this is still a team that can make the playoffs on the basis that they're playing teams that are literally all picking in the top 10. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I could pick in the top 10. So it's like the, the, the excuses can go out for Gunther. Who cares? But if the offense can score like 28 to 31 a game, guess what? They're going to be over 500, and they might the door might be open for a playoff game. So absolutely crazy. But that's all I got on that. So real quick, right before we move on to uh, Thursday night, do a quick roundtable. How many wins do you think out of the next eight, and do they make the playoffs? Go ahead, Sean. I'm not good at math, but I picked them at nine and seven. So, <laughs> so five more wins. So five more wins. Yeah, so I think five nine and three down the stretch. Yeah, I think nine and seven is safe, and and I I I, I would like to be more optimistic, but I, I think because of the defense. But nine and seven, I'm cool sitting with that. Jose, I think I think four wins, four and four. You know, it feels like the Jets. Jets has to be a win though. That could be a tricky one. As as like as crappy as they've been, you know, 10 a.m. start times West Coast. It's uh, always a it's always a crapshoot. You know, it never favors West Coast teams. And then um, feels like they have to win at least one of these games against the Chargers, regardless of where it's at. Maybe even both. Probably beat the Broncos again. Uh, if there's one lock of of an obvious loss, it's the Chiefs because the Derek Carr just you know gets stage fright in Kansas City every time. Yep. Um, so yeah, Cincinnati definitely a win, and um, Jets. I totally forgot they were playing the Jets. Didn't even, yeah, that totally slipped my mind. But yeah. yeah, I think four and four is capable, and eight and eight. And then it's like that, and that just draws back to what I've been saying, like for like for weeks now. Matt, it's like you know, this is a team. that you're like, you know what? They're they're not good, but they're not bad either. They're more in the right. middle of the pack, and it's every look the five hundred right. right now, and it's it's yeah. what their identity is. And so I'm just, it just makes you. It's just why it's just so frustrating. It's like wow, just imagine if. You know, the, some of these. Just imagine if Abrams was there. Just imagine if Clinton Farrell was actually, oh. you know, you know, useful. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine <laughs> if you know AB didn't go AWOL. But you know, that's yeah. all one under the bridge. But they're ma- what they're doing right now and making it making it all work out and just playing with the cards in their hands. They're, they they've been doing fine. They've been doing fine. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I think I think they win five of the next eight. You know, finish at nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Maybe there get some uh, get some luck to bounce your way, maybe make the playoffs. But like we've been saying, 9-7 and seven is a hell of a year for the Raiders this year. Absolutely. Let's move on to uh, Thursday night football. You know, it's always a bit of a wonky thing when you ever got to have one of these Thursday night games. It makes it even harder when you're playing a divisional game because that's two things that, that make the game more challenging. So I'm curious, what do you guys think has to be different about Thursday than what the Raiders have been doing? Absolutely. I think um, for Thursday night, uh, considering that matchup and everything out there, I think the the Chargers are like, if you know Rivers, he, he can capitalize off of extra possessions. So I think the same things hold true that work today for the recipe. You can't turn over the football. Carr's got to protect the ball. No no fumbles, no, no, no stupid plays, and then really mitigate those penalties. You look at Richie Incognito, really almost costed this team a big... Mm-hmm. 
big score. I mean, and it, I, I honestly, I know it wasn't really that bad. I don't know. Like, I think his flag came a little bit out of reputation, as a lot of people was kind of tweeting about that. But he did that against Houston. He had a really unnecessary hold. And I know he's willing to play center and guard and do everything, but I, I think they need to, you know, cut back on that. But to, to beat the beat the Chargers Thursday night in a rivalry type of game with a quarterback like Rivers, who's a veteran and he's a super fiery player. And if you look at what Stafford did today, honestly, if you Stafford threw for 405 and there was a lot of throws, I was like, whoa, Stafford, how did you miss that? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I literally, I felt like he could have thrown for 500 yards. So, I, you know, Rivers is a, he's a, he's a dog and um, they're going to have to come up with some sort of, uh, beat and rhythm to um, disrupt uh, his ability to, to to have extra possessions and keep him <clears> on the sideline. <throat> and um, he, he's a magic maker. Rivers will roll out there, and he, he's not gonna like surrender because of the circumstance. So I think the defense has to like have a scheme that keeps it in front, bend, don't break, and hope they, they can just force field goals. And the offense is gonna have to hit the 31 number again. We gotta do it. <laughs> it's funny how you bring up. Philip Rivers, Sean, you know, I, I mean, plenty, plenty of us are well familiar with this guy that he will gash you given the opportunity. But, you know, mm-hmm. they did fire Ken Wisenhunt about about a week ago prior to this Sunday's matchup. Um, and they promoted the quarterback coach, I believe. I'm not sure of his name. But, yeah, they got a new offensive coordinator there. And I'm, I was curious how the hell did they beat the Packers today? You know, that's right. pretty much a home game for the Packers because their okay. fans travel well. And they won, but by two scores yeah. uh, i was a little curious so I'm, i i actually have the numbers out in front of me rivers only dropped back 28 times he had a solid game didn't throw for then throw for a tug then throw a pick he wasn't pressured to too often and almost reeled in 300 yards but the thing that stands out to me is the rushing attempts they finally realized that they have a good array of running backs with melvin oh, yeah. gordon and austin eckler and they're wow the rushing attempts i'm looking at 20 rushing attempts for melvin gordon he gashed them for 80 yards and two touchdowns. Austin Eckler got 12 looks. I mean, just those two alone, 32 carries compared to Phillip Rivers' 28 dropbacks. I mean, it feels like they might have reinvented themselves. And then the targets, the lead target shares. Hunter Henry had the lead targets with 10 with, with ten and seven receptions. The next highest, it's all tied at four targets. Keenan Allen, four targets. Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, Mike Williams. I mean, it feels like they – it looks like almost like a John Gruden offense just from the numbers <laughs> standpoint, you know, where it's just yeah. run – run gash, look for tight ends, and then give a little target love to the wide yeah. receiver. So it seems like they might have reinvented themselves, and that might be a little disadvantage for the Raiders maybe, or maybe it's not. I mean, I feel like it doesn't matter what, what kind of offense is coming into town to face the Raiders' defense. They're going to get gashed regardless. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they might be better off just trying to stop the run and just plugging the holes than trying to stop a defense because – they have a lot of receiving weapons that will stretch that Raiders secondary that they 100% cannot match up anywhere remotely good to. So, you know, short week, you know, always short week if you're, it feels like if you're a lesser team. I mean, these two teams feel, as, as much as their records look like they're on they're on the same pace, the Chargers have more talent overall. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough call. Thursday night games, I mean, I'll, I'll be there. It's going to be dope just to be there. Another last primetime game in Oakland. And, um, it's going to be tricky. Um, I, I, I think the Raiders will win that game. And it'll come down to the wire for sure, just like today. Yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. I feel like the Chargers offense has two things that the Raiders offense are terrible at covering. And one of those is tight ends, <laughs> like you mentioned, with Hunter yep. Henry. And then Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield, backs out of the backfield. You know, He's we're going to about, be yeah. – I mean, yeah, dude – I, I, yeah. I don't know why I failed to mention that since I'm the one that mentioned 41 on Tahir Whitehead. Yeah. That's what I'm. It's gonna be four games in a row now. <laughs> Austin Eckler is gonna abuse these linebackers, man. This guy has the most receptions and targets than any even more than Christian McCaffrey. Think about that. And yeah. he is gash fools. He has destroyed them. Austin Eckler is no slouch. This guy is one of the best dual threat backs in the game. Do not overlook this guy. Even Melvin Gordon could come out for a pass or two and just trip you up. I mean, mismatch nightmare, man. It's just ah. Yeah. He's he's gonna they're gonna they're gonna like I said they're gonna look at that corner route that that running back did onto here Whitehead. Oh, no they're gonna be like, oh, Austin Eckler, you're gonna have fun, bro. You're gonna have a gimme. Yeah. And guess who I'm starting in fantasy this Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean those two for sure are gonna be a problem for the defense. And then the thing that worries me 
you know, switching to the offensive side of the ball is obviously, you know, the Raiders offense is heavily predicated on the running game. Josh Jacobs, we've seen him get banged up early in the year, not too long ago, actually. And he had about 30 carries today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. And then with that short week, you know, I feel like they're going to have to rely a little bit more on guys like Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington mm-hmm. in the running game and maybe a little bit in the passing game too. You know, we saw that a little bit towards the end of the game um, today, you know, especially on that last touchdown drive on that dime by a car to Richard and whatnot. But I think those two guys are going to have to have big games for them stepping up, especially with, you know, a little load management, if you will, to steal a team term from the NBA for Josh Jacobs. <laughs> load management. And you know what else? Remember, I, I, I feel like regardless of what it turns out to be, I'm pretty sure Trent Brown's not going to play on Thursday, regardless of what it turns out to be. Unless it's like 100%, oh, it's just precautionary, let's just, but I, no, you don't pull someone out that early in the game and they're going to turn around and play on Thursday. I think I think he's at the state to say he's going to be inactive. And guess who's going to have a matchup with Joey Bosa on Thursday? Oh. My God, dude. <laughs> let's not forget about that. I just, yep. It's going to be interesting how they adjust. I mean, David Sharp, I mean, he didn't have to go up against Trey Flowers if I'm not sure how many times. I don't really have the numbers for that. I'm sure Matt can pull it up eventually for, for yeah. PFF. But, yeah, well, Joey Bosa. Flowers had a sack on him. So. He, yeah, he had a sack on him. But I don't know if that was against Sharp or not. It I think was, that was yeah. on the left. It was against Sharp? Sheesh. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, it's just going to be tough when Joey Bosa comes into town. I mean, yeah. Colton Miller, it's, damn, I, I feel like Colton Miller, I'm confident Colton Miller will hold his own <laughs> capably well against Melvin Ingram. But what on another side, six months makes. Yeah, yeah. But on the other side... Um, Joey Bosa, man, that's not uh, David Sharp. I wonder how they're gonna adjust and a lot of quick passes. I, I think what they're gonna have to do is they're gonna take a little, a little ideas of what they did at the Chicago Bears game, yep. and then try to just do it that way. You know, especially on a short week, some of these, these guys are gonna be drained. I mean, hopefully the Chargers are more drained. You know, but yeah. we'll, we'll see how how Gruden decides to how decides to scheme up against those guys. So, fellas, as we all know, it was just Halloween, and uh, luckily for Sean, he didn't have to go in a door-by-door with his kids yet, because they're not of, or unless you did. Did you, Sean? Did you do that yet? With no, trick or treating? We went to the, uh, we went to the mall, man. Like, I live, I live in the <laughs> mall. What? <laughs> if I could explain it to you, in Honolulu, it's a city. There's not, like, residential, like, home-type properties, and if there are, they're kind of, like, crowded oh, okay. and, and rich, and the access isn't really good, and... You want gotcha. to be driving around because yeah, all the drunk, yeah. all the people that want to drink and party come to town. So it's 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 kind of but yeah. So I was like a few blocks down at Alamana Mall. It's one of the biggest malls in the country. And gotcha. We just walked around at like designer stores and like having people like shopping candy <laughs> in my son's bucket. So that that's what I did, man. Ah, all right. <laughs> Let me get well, this Snickers say... bar while I get this Gucci watch. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Come in and buy uh, something you can't afford. No thanks. <laughs> All right, well, let's just say you lived in an actual door-to-door neighborhood without smug people. <laughs> Your kids just came back with a nice little pillowcase of, full of uh, candy. You open it up. What's the first thing you're hoping to look for in there? Man, I, I'm weird. Like, honestly, I was like a sugar fiend when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> but now, like, daddy going through son's candy, I'm trying to think, like, I like – not it's not gonna be in there. What I like, I like banana runs and I like uh, laffy taffy and airheads and those kind of things. But a lot of everything's chocolate. I don't really mess with chocolate too much. I know it's not. Ah, weird. I'm opposite. Oh, come on. You know, I, I know, and it is weird. It is weird. Like my wife, we go out to like a nice dinner. It's like, okay, what do you want to get for dinner? I'm like, just get what you want. Oh, chocolate souffle. I'm like, just get what you want. Just get what you want. I don't want. I, I don't. <laughs> I, and then she gets a chocolate souffle. Why won't you eat it? I don't like chocolate. So yeah, I'm not like a big chocolate. I know, super weird, right? But but I like the like sugary uh, stuff, like the rainbow sour belts and all that crap that like makes your teeth it's fall trolley. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what a, you ever had? I remember Nerd Ropes with the. Ooh, with the oh, dude, those are so bad. I cannot do. Those. I know. Oh come on. And I'll admit they're terrible. I don't know why. I just I just kind of like <laughs> weird stuff. No, I'm with like, you on that one, Sean. Nerds rope yeah, for the shit. Yeah, I like those. But yeah, so I open my kids' stuff. I'm like half the stuff in there. I'm like I don't like Hershey's. I don't want Snickers. <laughs> it's like that was like come on. I'm I don't know. So but but yeah, I like the sugary, the sugary stuff that 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 you know is or the sour stuff. I love the um. 
what do you call those? Um, warheads? Sharks. Yeah, warheads are cool. Anything like sour uh, or bitter, I'm cool with that flavor. I, yeah, I like that kind of stuff, but. Damn, you just knocked out. You just knocked out the second part of the question. It was just <laughs> no. It's perfect. What's 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 candy you looking for? And then what's one you're like definitely not grabbing, or what you think is like so overrated? And apparently it's chocolate. Like no, I'm 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 I'm, I'm taking the exact opposite of you. I personally yeah. hate the fruity fruity candies because those are all just like straight up sugary. I mean, I mean all candy sugar, no duh. But I've, right. but if I'm having like nerds, like you just said, no to rope or Lavi taffy, I'm just like I'm just. I'm like, all right, this is too much for me. I need to eat. I'm basic. I'm gonna go with either like a nice little Hershey's almonds, or just so I get the little crunch, or my favorite Twix. Ooh. You know. Ooh, so, um, yeah. hey, I was messing around with my coworkers, so I'll, I'll bring it up to you guys. So, so in the little bowls, right when they have the little, you know, grab, grab a, oh yeah, grab a candy here, and they and they give out Twix and everything. You know, Twix mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Twix is known for being left. You know, oh, do you like left Twix or right Twix? Because you know, you get two bars. But if you get the mini size for the Halloween, it's just a one little nugget of it. And so I was asking everyone, I was like, hey, when they give those to you, is are they giving you the left Twix or the right Twix? <laughs> you know, I need to discover this. What it's going to bother me. And like, and, and, and so everyone would just thought that that was so weird to me to pick up. And I was like, hey, man, just is it everyone, the little minis? Is, are they giving you the left Twix or right Twix? That's their slogan. And so all of a sudden now you're just giving you just regular Twix. Like, come on. Come on, which one is it? But yeah, it's like, a good point. Hundred percent. I'm always looking for that, or just little little chocolates here and there. But I won't have too much. I'm I'm not a sweet tooth at all, man. I can't. I'll have like yeah. I'll grab. I can have like I always ask for a very thin slice of cake at parties. A very thin. Like I'm talking about like a couple inches. And then <laughs> it's like all right, cool. I'm sugared out. Like I I, just, I can't do it. I can't drink soda. I hardly drink juice. It's just yep. I'm, I'm sugarhead. It's yeah. just not me. You know, it's funny about that when you talk about, like, um, Twix and stuff and what, what thought about, like, for me, when I'm okay with chocolate and I have no idea why it is this way, but if it's in the fridge or the freezer, it, like, I, I'm cooler with it. <laughs> like, you remember those, like, um, those Snickers, uh, like, ice cream bars? They're, like, oh, sn- dude, those are amazing. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. I, I you buy an eight pack. I'm gonna pound that in a but 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 like the regular Snickers room temperature. It's kind of gooey and. Ch- but yeah, <laughs> I, I was just thinking that when you was talking about. It, I was like, you know what? Like there's exceptions to kind of how I can handle <laughs> some of my chocolate shit. But yeah, <laughs> I hear you on that. I like a, sometimes I like a little little cold chocolate, melted chocolate <laughs> or hot chocolate. I can see how it turns you off. Or hot or hot. Yeah, yeah. hot is cool. Up if yeah. you're in a cold climate. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But for me, I think if I'm going to pick it or if I'm what I'm looking for in my Halloween bag would be Reese's, Snickers, or Three Musketeers. Those are my three go-to. As far as what I don't look for, I kind of grew up a fat kid, so I was never really picky. <laughs> so yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, why don't you guys, uh, why don't we do this? You guys lift off like two or three candies that you hate, and we'll see if I hate like them or not. Mm, go first. Uh, off top, almond joy. Love them. Mm. I, oh, yeah. Some yeah. See, me Yeah. Honestly, it's weird. It don't even taste like coconut, but whatever that flavor is that they call yeah. coconut. And whatever coconut. that flavor is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever the synthetic you, coconut is, that's what I like. Oh, okay. Anyone yeah. else got stuff they don't like? What about hot tamales? Oh, Ooh. no. That's the one. I don't like, like, Hot tamales, like I don't, I'm not a big like. I know it's a little bit different, but I'm not a big fireball fan. I'm not like that like. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah, cinnamony, not the summy. That's I guess that'd be the one. Hot tamales, oh, spicy cinnamons. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's not those weren't really sweet too. So I kind of that was a cop out yeah. kind of. All right, <laughs> how about tootsie roll? Oh, dude, I love me tootsie rolls. I know oh, that's not dude, popular right now. I love tootsie rolls. Uh, I like the um, and this is gonna be. I know no one's gonna agree with me. You ever had the the blue vanilla Tootsie Roll? You ever Excuse seen me? that one? Yeah, blue vanilla. The actual wrapper is like light North Carolina blue. It's, it's a like Tootsie the... Roll, but the, the color is what? Man, y'all missing out. But like yeah, the fruit flavored ones? Okay. Like the Tootie Fruities? Is that what you're talking about? The like Tootsie Rolls, but it's like a fruit flavor? Uh, is it it might be and you're right like I, that's how much i don't mess with candy and sweets but it, it might be 
tutti frutti on paper technically <laughs> i'm re- i'm really out of my element now that we're talking about candy like, <laughs> I, i'm not gonna but i got a good one then okay so i got a good one so okay. what about for candy black licorice y'all mess with that uh i will uh yeah. i don't seek it out but right, if someone right, hands right, it to right. me I'd, yeah, I'd eat it it's weird it's one of those things that's weird and like i remember i going up i was like I hate black licorice. I hate black licorice. And I was like right at the era. I was at the era where like kids were dying in frat parties from Jägermeister, Jäger bombs. <laughs> so, so like, God. that was my era. Like I went to college and everyone was like, Jäger bombs and Red Bull. And I was like, <laughs> I hate black licorice. And I just drank it anyways. And for some reason, uh, yeah, but yeah, okay. black licorice is disgusting to me, but <laughs> glad that I put that behind me. Oh, yeah. No. yeah, so I'm cool off candy now. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with candy. <laughs> all right, that's all we got for you guys this week. Sean, where can the good people find you? Oh, yeah, uh, shout out. Like, I'm on at uh, Wahoo underscore Radio 808. That's my, like, basic, like, my own personal account. I started from the roots, man. I just got on to follow, like, Vic Toffer and all the Raider people, like, with social media, but... I'm on there, and then for my podcast, I'm at CNPN underscore blackout, um, and that's, like, where I'll just be posting if you just want to see, like, strictly only football and uh, mostly just my segments for my podcast I do weekly. But, yeah, I'm out there. Uh, if not, um, hopefully you see me on timeline, and uh, just thank you so much for the time. You guys are super cool. This was, like, a really fun segment. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, man. Appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Jose, where can the people find you? At J Sanchez SI. Get at me, people. All right. And then you can find me at at Holder 95 Follow the pod at SweetFly. Gmail's up, flysweetpod at gmail.com. Other than that, until next week. Hey, loves it.